I guess what we think about when we think of the beach is not just the sand, and many people love the sand, others not so much. Uh, but we think uh, not just of the, the heat and the sunshine and the ocean, it's beautiful, but um, we think about the fact of getting away, just getting away. Just a chance to get away, because we live in a world uh, that is so chaotic, right? It's so uh, busy, so confusing, and, and, and things that are happening around us uh, are so extreme, it seems. You know, and that even in our own world, when you, know, you go to work or, or you do the things that you do, uh, it gets, you get caught up in that. You know? And we need to take time to get away. Just get away and go to the beach and get wherever it is that we need to get and just like take a break from the everyday grind because most of our lives are like this next picture. You know, that's, that's most of us, right? Running through life. I think he's got a cell phone in his hand. <laughs> he's like, like, huh? <laughs> that's Jerry right there. That's Jerry. That's all of us, right? The, the rat race of life. It's just like you go and you go and you go and you have to get off, don't you? Jason, once in a while, I got to get off that thing and take a break. And that's kind of what we're thinking about this morning when we think about getting away from the grind. We all need to get away at times, right? We all need to just step away from uh, whatever's going on. Sometimes we just need to step away for a few minutes from whatever's happening at the moment. Other times we need to like step away for some hours. Other times we need to just like go away for several days and just get away and, uh, and, and recuperate a little bit, right? And we all should have a favorite place to get away and to go, right? To, to just step away from our lives, whether that's at your home or somewhere and close by. Uh, vacation, we're talking about like getaways, just a chance to, to just take a break, a mental, emotional, spiritual, physical break. Did you know that Americans spend $100 million on vacations just about every year? In 2017, $100 million on vacations, uh, which continually increases each year. 44% of people say that they will take a vacation this year. Most vacations, money is spent on, guess what? Transportation. Transportation, right? Getting that airplane ticket is like the, the high dollar thing that it takes. And you know where the most uh, favorite vacation spots are? Top three, Grand Canyon, New York City, and Florida. Seem to be the hot spots for people getting away, taking a vacation, getting away. Why you would want to get away and clear your minds in New York City, I don't know how that's going to happen, but you know, people think they, that it's going to happen. Average spending per person on vacation, $1,200. And uh, most Americans spend more money than they can afford. Can you believe that? <laughs> so the charge cards, the credit cards go up, right? Medical professionals say that getting away is good for us in, in a number of ways. They say it reduces stress, so that's good, right? It improves your heart health, that's good. It reduces depression, and it also improves uh, your sleep to be able to get away for a little while and take a mental and emotional and physical break. So, so how do we find... How do we find our biblical beach? That's the question today. How do we find our biblical beach? And how do we get to our biblical beach? What's a biblical getaway look like anyway? What, does that, what would that even look like to, to go away to my biblical beach? Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at four scriptures uh, from the life of Jesus and then four quick truths about finding your biblical beach. And then uh, we'll be done, okay? 
So the first one is in Matthew 14. If you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew 14. I'm not going to read all the sections. I'm just going to point out uh, verses, particular verses in these sections that point to uh, the point of getting away. And in Mar uh, Matthew six, uh, 14 is where we're going to start. Matthew 14, go there. In Mark's Gospel, uh, what's happening here is John the Baptist has been beheaded in, in Matthew 14. And in Mark, Mark's account of this, what happens is the disciples, if you get this, get this you know, in your mind, John's head has been decapitated and put on a platter and given to, uh, you know, given to the daughter and then taken you know, to the queen and to the king. And so his head is not even attached to his body. And the disciples, Mark says, the disciples go and get his body and put it in a tomb. Like, I, I never really thought about that. I think we just kind of skim over that. But can you imagine that? Like going to get your buddy's body, and he doesn't even have a head anymore. And they pick this body up, and they take it to a tomb. I mean, they physically do this. And so that had just happened. And uh, his, John had been beheaded. And in, in Matthew 14, verse 13, when Jesus heard, like, they report to Jesus, they gather around Jesus, and they report to him what had happened to John and what they did. And when Jesus heard this in Matthew 14, verse 13, look what happens. He, withdraws, uh, he withdrew by boat to a private beach or to a secluded place. And so we know that they're, they're in Galilee and they go just over around like to the right corner of, of the Sea of Galilee, down around the side. And they're in this like secluded place, like on this side of uh, the Sea of Galilee. They're at a beach. It's a nice getaway. There's grass there. There's hills there, um, little mountains there. And then there's the beach and there's the boat. And so they get away. It's kind of like, you know, you think about North Carolina, right? You got the beach and you got the hills and you got everything you could ever want, right? It's right here in North Carolina. And then it, and so what happens is they get away to this beach area where they're going to just spend some time together because they understand they need to get away after everything that's been going on, not just John, but other things that have been happening. And the crowds, though, they want to go too. And so the crowds, you know, the crowds spot them crossing over the corner of the sea. And so the crowd follows on land and they get there too. They, they, they follow. And so what happens is Jesus turns this time into a day of teaching. And then everybody is hungry and you kind of know the story. And so Jesus feeds them all, right? 5,000 men plus women and children. And they all eat. And Jesus performs this first miracle uh, there, uh, right there with this crowd at this particular time. They all eat, they're all satisfied, and now it's like nap time, right? And so in verse 22, Jesus has his disciples get into a boat and head out, right? Get in the boat and head out, and he dismisses the crowd to go home. He has the crowd leave just to go home and get some rest and just, you know, go back home. In verse 23, look what happens. Jesus went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. And so he gets away with his guys, and then he gets away by himself. 
And that's kind of cool, I think, right? It's like a getaway within a getaway. And, and that's really, I think, what we should do when we get away. Like wherever you go, if you go to Florida or wherever you go on vacation, there, there ought to be the getaway that you get away with your people, but then there ought to be time in there that you get away by yourself. I think that's a good, it's a good illustration, a good example of, of doing that, that when we get away, it ought to have a purpose. It ought to have more than a purpose of just going to have fun at the beach. It should be more than that. And so from, from here, what happens is Jesus goes with his disciples, right? He walks on water in the storm, which is then miracle number two in this, in this day. Jesus comes walking on water. And, and there's, it should be no surprise to us that getting away results in these two miracles, these things that happen. And, and so by going to his biblical beach, Jesus is empowered and does these miraculous works. That's kind of cool, I think. You know, that, that when we get away, God is able to do something in our lives and something through us that later results in big things, in amazing things. And so that's the one we see in Matthew. In Mark chapter 1, if you keep going in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, Jesus is going around doing good things, right? Which is what he did. It's Mark chapter 1, so he calls his first disciples to follow him. He's doing healings. He's uh, teaching crowds. He's battling against evil spirits. And he's just getting started and what he's doing as he's going around doing good is Jesus is doing like ministry. He's doing like kingdom ministry, right? That's what he's doing. He's like sharing the good news. He's healing people. He's spreading hope and love, right, to people that he comes in contact with. So he's doing ministry. So what would that look like for you? What, what, would that, what should that look like for us? Because, you know, as followers of Christ, we're supposed to go out and do do ministry, right? Do, do uh, acts of, of kindness and love for people, to point people to Jesus, right? That's that we talked about in our class this morning, that we should be like walking in the steps of Jesus, right? Because he set an example, and we should be doing as he has done. So if Jesus is going around doing kingdom ministry type things, what would that look like for you? What would that look like for me if we were doing what Jesus is doing? Good question, right? So in Mark 1, verse 35, here's what happens. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So verse 35, four things just kind of really just pop up off the page right there out of that verse. And here they are real quick. Very early. In other words, like a great while before the sun came up, well, everyone else is still sleeping. It's still dark, very early in the morning. The second thing is this, Jesus got up, right? Because you can hit the snooze bar all morning long if you want, right? But Jesus didn't do that. He got up. He woke up. He got out of bed. He stood up. He rose from his sleep, and he stood on his feet. That's hard to do some mornings, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially with a broken leg, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yes, I feel your pain right now. Uh, so very early in the morning, Jesus gets up. The third thing that happens is he leaves the house. So it means he slipped out, like he just quietly got up and left. Nobody even noticed he was gone. But he got out of there. He left the house. 
That's kind of cool. And the fourth thing that pops up out of this verse is this. He went to a solitary place, which means like a desolate, secluded place. So somewhere not far from where Jesus was staying, Jesus has a place that he's going to go to and get away. It's his like little biblical beach, not far from home, that he's going to go from. It's from, from this beach time alone, right here in this passage, Jesus had, as a result of it, he had full confidence in what he was supposed to do next. That's the value of getting away to your beach. Is, is when you get away and you spend time alone with God, God helps you understand what it is you should do next. And without getting away, it's just one rat race of confusion. Jesus shows us, he gets away, and what happens next is this. Verse 36, Simon and his companions, so they finally wake up, right? And they're looking around, where's Jesus? And they go to find Jesus. They went out looking for Jesus. And when they found Jesus at his biblical beach, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Like, like everyone's looking for you. Like, well, who's everyone? What does that mean? Like the whole town's looking for me and why? You know, they want me to feed some more people or do some more miracles or wow them somehow. And so they say, everyone is looking for you. It's as if they're saying, come on, Jesus, we got to get back in there with the crowd and, and, and do some more things that will make them like hungry for you. And in verse 38, Jesus replies, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages, so I can preach there also. This is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out spirits. And so from his time away, even for an hour or two hours or whatever it was that he got up early in the morning, went away and spent some time at his beach, from that time with God, Jesus gains like perspective and focus on what he's supposed to do next. And without that beach time, that just becomes a lot of static, a lot of like noise in our ears of life. But Jesus knows that he needs to get away to that biblical beach on a regular basis to understand what it is he needs to do next. Luke chapter 6 is our next verse, third one. And it's some random day again. I love this, right? In and, and Luke 6, Oh, let me find this passage right here. Luke 6, there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. It's just a, a random day. And in chapter 6, verse 1, remember the story about the grain field? They're walking by, and it's a Sabbath, and they pick grain, and the Pharisees don't like that. And then in verse uh, 6, chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus heals a guy on the Sabbath day. And again, the, the religious leaders don't like that. And Jesus, uh, in verse 12, the scripture says, one of those days. Now, I just love that, right? That's interesting to me that it says it just like that. Just one of those days. Just another day among many days. Like, we don't, we don't have record of what Jesus did every day. In fact, we don't have record of what Jesus did, you know, all the things he did. But we have record of what many of the things that he did. But, but every day, Jesus got up and went about his business. And sometimes it seems like that's how life is. We just get up and we go about our business. And some days, nothing extraordinary happens. But other days, 
God is waiting, right, for that moment where he says now and something big is about to happen, even though you don't know it, but we are faithfully just serving God and then on one of those days, it's going to happen if you're where you need to be, right? If we're doing what we're supposed to do, if we're faithfully walking with him. So one of those days, verse 12, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night, the night, he spent the night praying to God. Everyone else is at home sleeping. And Jesus, all night long, is off praying to his Father. It's a mountainside getaway of prayer. And he spends the whole night praying. And you'd have to ask, you know, if you stopped right there in the story, you've got to ask, like, why? Like, what's so important? Like, what, what, what causes you to get away to pray? Like that like extended prayer, like intentional prayer, like on purpose prayer. Maybe, it, maybe it's a job situation that you're struggling with. Maybe it's, it's something that God has convicted your heart about and now you're like taking this thing more serious than you ever have and you feel like I need to just get away and I need to pray about this. You know, maybe it's, what, it's something that's coming up that you're getting ready for and you know that you need to prepare your heart spiritually for. So, so the question is, Jesus, why, why would you go away all night and pray? What is so important? Verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them who he also designated as apostles. And so what happens in that night of prayer is Jesus gains insight as to who he's going to choose as the 12 because there were a lot of people following Jesus. The crowds were wowed by Jesus. Everyone wanted to be around Jesus. There were all kinds of people with their hands up saying, we want to follow you, Jesus. You are amazing. And so he had lots of people to choose from, but he knew he was going to pick 12 and he needed to make sure he got the 12 right. Right, because he was going to leave and they were going to carry on. And he wanted to make sure that he didn't get that wrong. And so he spends the night praying about the, that decision that he knew was coming. And so wisdom comes from time away from the world and time alone with God. That's what happens when you get away to your biblical beach. You should be seeking the heart of God, right? Without a regular getaway on a, a regular basis, life just becomes one big blur. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe life is just a blur to you. You know, you're just going through the motions. You even feel like you're just going through the motions. You just get up and you go to work and you do your thing and you take care of the kids and you come home and you eat and you go to sleep and you wake up the next day and you repeat and repeat and repeat. And life is just one big blur. Maybe what it is that you need is you need to get away. Because Jesus does. And he picks the 12 and then he names them. Simon, right? Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon. Judas and Judas, two Judases. And he names the 12. And then from there, Jesus went on to teach large crowds of people. He began to pour himself into these 12 as like this mentorship program that he chose these 12 and now he's going to pour his life into them because he knows that they are going to carry on the work. All right? An important work. Right? An important work that's going to affect other people. You and me included one day, right? Some beaches are for swimming and for fun. Other times that biblical beach is for making like really big decisions, 
right? Really big decisions that we need to get away and clear our minds and let God speak to our hearts. Luke chapter 9 is our fourth passage. It's another one of those days along the journey. Luke chapter 9. And Jesus, he goes away to get some getaway time, right? And this time when he goes away, he brings the disciples with him. Okay, from time to time, Jesus did that. He brings the disciples with him, and so it's like this retreat. We're off on a retreat, Jesus and the 12 guys, and they're hanging out, and they're talking, and he's teaching them, and he's spending time with them. Verse 18 says this, Once when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, and that's kind of cool, it says once when, in other words, there were lots of times when, but one time, Luke's going to tell us about it. But there were plenty of other times that Jesus got away by himself and with other people. And it says he went to a private place. They got away. They went on a retreat to get away from the crowds, to get away from the people. Wherever it is they went, it was desolate and it was solitary. Jesus was not a solitary man, but he went to a solitary place. And it was his biblical beach where he could spend time just clearing his mind and spend time with his father and spend time away from all the craziness of this life. And while he's there at this desolate place, this biblical beach with his guys, he asks them, who do the crowds say that I am? Now that might be the biggest reason why they even went away, so that Jesus could ask them a question that he really needed to know where they were. Like, like he's working with these guys, we're in Luke 9, it's later on in his ministry, and now he wants to just figure out where are these 12 in their development, right? Where are they in their hearts? Are they learning what's most important, what's not so important, what things we should focus on and what things we shouldn't focus on? Are they getting it at all? And so he gets away with them to some quiet place and he asks them the question, who do the crowds say that I am? This is deep, it's personal, it's the kind of question that requires some thought and space. Like you can't be in a crowd and ask this kind of a question. You have to be away. You have to be alone. And you have to have time to think without static, right? It's what our leaders need to do, get away and pray and think. Spend time alone away. Not business, just Jesus. And that's what Jesus does. And here's what they say. They reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back. That's what the crowds are saying, who you are, Jesus. But Jesus says to the twelve, what about you? See, what they say is good to know, because one day they'll figure it out. But what these 12 say is really important. And he says, what do you guys say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and Peter says, you are God's Messiah. Could you just imagine Jesus in the moment, just like they're off in this like beach area, this quiet, desolate place. He's there with the 12. He asks them this, is, this question, and I'm sure he's going, oh, I hope they get it. I hope they get it. I hope they answer this right. I hope they get this question right. You know, because they could say all kinds of weird things, right? You, you, you teach kids, and you will get all kinds of weird answers for questions that you ask, right? Right? All kinds of crazy questions and answers. 
But Jesus, I, I think Jesus is just, just hoping because it's the third year of his ministry with them. He's been with them now going on this third year. And, and, and they, the question is, are they getting it yet? And, and then verse 21, Jesus warns them not to tell anyone because, because soon he would suffer. And so Peter says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yes, yes, they're, they're, they're getting this. They, they are understanding what's important and who I am and where I've come from. And all that goes into you are the Messiah is huge, right? Because that's what matters, how you answer that question, right? When you, when, when you are confronted with the question, who do people say Jesus is, how you answer that matters a lot, you know, is Jesus just a good teacher? Is that what he is? He just just a, a good guy who came from, we're not sure, and he's a good prophet, and, and he said good things about loving one another. Is that, is that your version of who Jesus is? If it is, that's good, but it's not quite there yet. If he's the Messiah, the Savior of the world, then that changes everything. Right? That changes the way you walk. That changes the way you live. That changes the way you think. It changes everything about your outlook when you answer that question the way Peter did. Because what Peter is saying is, you are God's Messiah, the Savior of the world, and I want to follow you with all my life. It matters how we answer that question. And Jesus warns them, don't tell anyone. He knows he's going to suffer, but just not yet. The time has not yet come. And so he tells them, don't tell anyone this. And what Jesus is doing with these guys is he's demonstrating for them and for us the importance of getting away, taking a break once in a while, knowing that things, Jesus knows that things are about to heat up. Right? He's about to, to go through some real rough times and he gets away with these guys and in the process they stay fresh and they are clearing their minds and they're resetting their focus for Jesus on that final like round uh, corner that he's about to take and, and then one day he's, gonna, he's going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified. He knows he's on that final turn and he gets away to help them clear their hearts and their minds and refocus their attention. And this, this, this response by Peter required reflection. And that only happened by getting away. That only happened by coming away from the crowds and the noise and the busyness and being able to sit and think and pray and hear yourself and hear the Spirit of God in you speaking. Luke says that often, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often. He often went to his biblical beach. He had one nearby, wherever he was. I think he always had some place nearby that he would get away to for physical and for spiritual rest, to give himself some rest. So Jesus shows us that that's so important. So a journey to the biblical beach. A journey to the biblical beach. Things to do while you get away. Let me give you four things and we're done. First of all, physically, physically you should relax, right? That's what we should do at our biblical beach is relax. This should be about getting away to just get your physical flesh some rest, to enjoy some life and to just breathe, right? Sometimes we just need to do that, don't we? Right? We need to, because we just get going. 
right? Things go and we add more on and we go more and we add more on. Pretty soon we're adding so many things, we're juggling so many plates that we don't even realize it. We're wearing ourselves out. And what we need to do is just get away and relax and just take a deep breath and let your physical body relax before you wear it out and you need a knee surgery. Okay. Number two, number one, so, so physically we just need to relax. But here are the four things. The first one is this. We need at our, at our biblical beach, what we need to do is just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. That's what we should do. Just get away. Like, you may go to Florida, you may go wherever you go, and that's cool. But go there with a second intention to, to not just relax and physically get refreshed, but to wait on the Lord, to spend some time within that getaway, to just wait on the Lord, right, to, to be refreshed, to, to let him bring healing to your soul, to bring comfort to your soul, to bring forgiveness to you, so that you can just be right with God as you wait on the Lord, as you're getting away, right? Just to be refreshed. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he heard my cry. And so when we get away to our biblical beach, wherever that is, whether that's for minutes, hours, or days, we should just wait on the Lord. Spend time waiting on the Lord. Just wait. Right? Just wait. We don't, we don't wait for anything very well, do we? We don't. We don't even like waiting in the line. I don't like waiting at a traffic light. Right? I know I'm not alone in that. Right? Some are really long around here, too. Aren't they? Like some you just stay away from. And, and people, drivers, they're crazy. I was driving down the highway, and I look over, and there's a girl driving. She's driving with her elbow as she's talking on the phone and doing something else with her other hand. We're going 70, and I'm right next to her. Wait, we need to wait, right? You see all kinds of weird stuff in, <laughs> when you're driving down the road. Wait patiently on the Lord. That's what we do on our biblical beach. Just wait on the Lord. Just spend some time just thinking and saying, God, speak to my heart. God... Show me what you, you need from me, what you want me to do. Second thing is this, listen for direction. Listen for direction. Well, you're away on your biblical beach, spend time just listening. Don't talk, just listen. Listen for the direction of God, to know God's will, to hear his word. Spend time in the word, prepare yourself to follow him. Just be on this like ready, set God, speak to me. I'm ready to hear you. I'm ready to do whatever it is you want me to do. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says this, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So on your biblical beach, look for direction. Listen for direction. Spend time listening. Wait on the Lord. Listen for direction. Number three, enjoy the quiet. Right? Isn't that, isn't that nice when you just hear nothing? I mean, how often does that happen? Like, there's always noise. No matter where you go, there's noise. It's cars, it's trains, it's airplanes, it's all noise everywhere you go. Very rarely can you go somewhere and just not hear anything. Just it quiet. I mean, even if you go to the beach, you're hearing the ocean. And as soothing and as awesome as that is, it's not nothing. And sometimes we just need to enjoy the quiet so that we can know him, so we can hear him, so we can like, like be in a place where we can enter into his presence to hear him, not the crickets, not the birds, not the ocean, not anything else but him. 
Like, enjoy the quiet. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. So we should seek on this beach trip that you take, wherever it is you go, your biblical beach, take time to just be quiet and listen for God. And the last thing is this, on your biblical beach, at your biblical beach, prepare for what's next. That's so big. Like, just, just, just come to it knowing God is up to something in your life. He wants to do something big in you that he's been preparing you for all these years. And it's what's next. And you may go about day by day just faithfully serving God. But at some point, he's going to say, today's the day. It might be next Friday. It might be next Tuesday. It might be next month or next year. We don't know. Just faithful. Be faithful. Waiting for whatever is next right? Like move to the edge of your seat spiritually and be like, God, just show me what you want me to do. Like I'm eager to do your will, O oh Lord. Like I get away to hear God show you and tell you what it is he wants you to do next. Proverbs 3, 6 says, seek, seek God's will in all that you do and he will show you which path to take, Right? So the Word of God challenges us to get away, to prepare ourselves for whatever God has down the road, whatever He's got going on next. Our biblical beach, so important. Jesus demonstrated to all of us and to His disciples as He walked with them how important it is to be with the crowds, to spend time doing the things that we should be doing, but also to spend time away from everything and everyone to just get your, your heart right and to get your mind right and to get your, your body right and your, your emotions right and to seek God and to wait on the Lord and to listen for Him and to enjoy the quietness of the presence of God and then just to simply prepare for what's next. That's what we should do. On our biblical beach, finding your biblical beach, that's what you should do. And maybe you've got one that you use and go to all the time. Maybe you don't. Mine seems to change from, from like month to month throughout the, the, the season, things, places, and where to get away and spend time changes. But we need one. We need one close so we can escape to in a, in a short period of time, and we need some places that we can go to and get away from all of our life for, for days or for a week and just get reset again on God. Because if we don't, we will get caught up in the whirlwind of life. And before we know it, we're old right? And life has passed us by, and we never stopped and, and took time to say, God, what do you want me to do next? God, where, where am I right now with you? It's so important that we get away and do that.